Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Question, partner. Let's say you love college basketball. You're incredibly excited that now, since the Super Bowl is over, college basketball takes center stage. To celebrate this moment, you identify three games tonight that you feel strongly about and you decide to lay down a few shekels. Okay? And let's say you look at tonight's slate and you say, Syracuse plus seven against Louisville. Reason? February seems like the right time for a head coach with no experience whatsoever who's leading one of the most storied college basketball programs in the nation on the tail end of multiple scandals to self-destruct a touch against a Hall of Fame coach and their zone. But then you take Rutgers at home plus three and a half against Indiana because Rutgers always plays great defense and road wins are tough to come by and you lose that one. So out of sheer anger, you decide to bet swack basketball and take Jackson State at home minus two yes. over Southern. My partner, would you characterize a person who does that as A, someone who really loves college basketball, B, an idiot, C, someone who has a gambling problem, D, something your partner would do, or E, all of the above? It's <laughs> E, Mike Randall. It has to be E. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, listeners. If that's the intro you are looking, not the intro you're looking for, what else are you looking for? This is great. Thank you, listeners, for carving out some time during your week to give the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast a little time out of your busy week. Mike and I are so appreciative of that. Mike, I'm going to answer them. Here's why. I'm going to give you the little rundown of why. One. Why are you betting on either Syracuse or Louisville? I mean, we bet we 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 talked about like what are the most vexing teams to bet on? Th- those those two might lead the list. Are you kidding me? Syracuse just got shellacked yeah. by UVA, and and Louisville is always a mystery. I, I have no argument on your Rutgers at home. I understand, but Indiana is the the talent gap there is a little little large. But I, I'll tell you what, I have nothing wrong with you betting on Jackson State at home. I'm okay with that. I'm really good with that actually. So uh, I'm gonna say two out of three. Uh, yeah, I, it just, you know? it was just, there was no, I came in saying I liked Syracuse. I thought it was a no brainer. I'm not on the David Padgett train. It's just sure. about the time. And Gus, this is an impossible spot. It's nothing against David Padgett. This is an impossible spot. This is about the time where things are going to crumble. Okay. Cause I don't think being a head coach of a top <laughs> blue, blue blood division one basketball program is easy. Okay. So when you have, I don't know, Gus, zero experience. Probably going to be hard, and I would think that around February would be the time you'd struggle, and here comes a Hall of Fame coach in his zone. I thought that one was easy. I also liked West Virginia tonight getting four and a half. Why? Huggins is about ready to have enough of this three-game on the road losing streak. Don't you? They're too talented to not turn it around. It is just Trey Young, although right now it's 66-63 West Virginia with about five minutes left, and you're getting four. I love that we give the in-podcast score so you guys have an actual time frame of when we're doing the podcast. Love love the authenticity behind that. But out of sheer anger, Gus, because I lost the Rutgers one and Indiana was up the whole way there, 24 to 8, yeah. it was over right away. Uh, yeah. I'm betting Swack Basketball. That's how you know you're tuning the right podcast, folks. Swack Basketball. All right? <laughs> Listen, we cover everything big, little, and all in between. That is for sure on the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Gus, we got a lot to get to, of course. I hope you enjoyed your Super Bowl. I stayed local. I stayed home. Hopefully, I had a nice time there. Got some bets, heads, tails. So, I'm like the greatest referee in the history of the world. Gene Steratore, by the way, was refereed the game. But, Gus, so we, we flipped it. I did my solo last night, which I don't know if you had a chance to hear. Pretty much bashed everybody up and down the college <laughs> basketball landscape. <laughs> I think I think our friend, uh, you know, our friend, uh, former college uh, athlete, student athlete, Paul, friend of the program, 
I don't know if he would have liked your. I don't know if he would like your rendition. I don't know if he he agreed with your with your Seton Hall take. I don't think I'm on Kevin Willard's Christmas card list, but hey, <laughs> he won't be getting a Valentine like McCronin. Point one, point two, point three, and uh, we got a little game on Saturday. We'll get to later this week. But Gus, right. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Absolutely positive, St. Mary's is winning, and I think they're covering whatever the spread's going to be. Yeah, we're going to argue about this. <laughs> All righty, here we go. Quick news and notes, Gus. Want to get your thoughts? Ohio State guard Cam Williams has been suspended indefinitely for violating team rules. Fifth-year senior, eight points per game. Announcement came right before the game against Illinois. Case in point, they didn't cover that game, Gus. It was very close. Andre Wesson got the start of the season. My only issue here, Gus, is we've seen during the year when a a sort of role player or fifth starter is Mm -hmm. removed that that can have massive effects on things, i.e. Rolly Alkins. Okay. Sure. So I'm curious with them heading to Purdue on Wednesday night, could this be a little slip for Ohio State, who maybe has been out kicking their coverage this year? Yeah, I think so. You know what I equate this injury to? Because Cam Williams is a good college yes. basketball player. It's not Double digit score. Yeah, absolutely. Totally reminds me of the Zach Smith injury at Texas Tech. When you look down the scoring column, Cam Williams is going to be atop that. But if you look at minutes played and if you look, you know, obviously if you look at a scouting report and look at like assignments, like Cam Williams has a lot of assignments for this team. He has a lot of things he needs to take care of on both the offensive end and both the defensive end. So I think initially this is going to be the exact same thing and mirror the exact same thing that Texas Tech went through without Zach Smith. But I think – Yes, yes. But I think the – the situation here is they'll get it figured out down the line, but it might take a couple of games just like Texas Tech did. If you remember, they had that little swoon of about four games where they went about one and three. So I can I can envision Ohio State mirroring exactly what happened to Texas Tech there. 100% agree with you. Couldn't say it better than that. And the other one, Gus, just want to let you know that St. Mary's riding the 18-game winning streak has achieved their highest AP ranking in school history. They is that are, true? They are number 11. In the That's poll amazing. that was released, last okay. year they got to 12, but we had Hackman. But this year, Gus, it ain't Hackman. This year, it's Superman, okay? Jock Landell was player of the week in the West Coast Conference, fifth time in the last nine weeks, leads the conference in points, field goal percentage, and rebounds. His five weekly awards are one shy of the record held by Bo Kimball of Loyola Marymount and your guy, Adam Morrison of Gonzaga. That is an unbelievable <laughs> list. That might be the best list we've ever announced on the podcast. Jacques Landell, Bo Kimball, and Adam Morrison. Yeah. That is a list. Gus, I'll tell you right now, one of two things is going to happen on Saturday. Either I'm going to be right or he's going to get in foul trouble and you're going to love every minute of it. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing? The guy oh. has had four fouls, I think, once in the last 12 games. Yeah. 12 games have been unstoppable. But here we go. I just think that Gus, I'll win this game. <laughs> I mean, come on. There's been multiple people that have said via Twitter, via on air, via, you know, uh, in print that he should be on people's first team All-America. Like th- th- this is not a joke. This is not a mirage. This is this is not a smokescreen. This dude is good. He's unbelievably efficient on the offensive end. And he is just like destroying people in the West Coast Conference. So to your point. The dude is the player of the year, no doubt, like in that conference. He's going to sneak on some first-team All-Americans. There's no there, there's no question about that. You know what's going to really firm it up for him? If he has another big game in this Gonzaga game. I agree. 
That's what's going to staple it in and put it in Sharpie and make it realistic. If he goes back and hits the script from last year where he was a, a little shaky, foul trouble, not as consistent, runs into some trouble with uh, uh, Jakob Larson or, or Jonathan Williams or, or, or maybe even he's matched up against Tilly, which is like a, an unbelievable matchup if you think about it of bigs, then maybe if he has like that 10.5 rebound, four foul performance, then maybe that chatter of first team All American goes away, and and oh, oh look at that, Gonzaga's right back in the mix for a conference championship. Look at that. Totally, so, totally agree. I think this game is is big for for many reasons. You know what? This game is just like Vermont's run with uh, Coach Brennan, mm-hmm. and when they had Taylor Copperman and Sorrentine, and, yeah. and Sorrentine. I can remember Coach Brennan saying, "You know what? This game could make Taylor a lot of money." I feel like this game has that type of energy and that type of like uh, wagering on it where he plays well, people are going to continue to put him on their first team All-American and they're going to be talked about as, I don't know, a top four seed in the tournament. It really sets up well for them. Yeah. Gonzaga is not playing their high quality difference. They struggle against defending the three-pointer. St. Mary's has been on fire against the three-pointer. Williams is really struggled with Jock Landale the first time. He's undersized against him in there. This mm-hmm. is their chance. You talked about Perkins struggles. All the stuff I mentioned yesterday. Yeah. I, I, re- I really think that this is their best chance. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm curious what the line's going to be, but I agree. He drops another 30 in this game. I, I think you have to – if the season ends after Saturday and he drops 30, he's first-team All-American. No question. Like I, I have no problem with that. And you know what? A majority of the, the, the college basketball heads out there will not have a problem with it either. All right, let's hit the uh, Saturday games here. We'll go through the top 25 as we always do. Gus, uh, Virginia, you know, Gus, they covered every game in January. The last time they haven't, they haven't covered was Boston College back in December. They go up to Syracuse, obviously payback for the curse of Malachi Richardson, 59-44. Syracuse shot 33% from the field, 4 of 21 from three-point range at home. Kyle Guy, 14 points. Mamadi Diakite with 12 points. And the, best, nice. and the best freshman no one's talking about, Gus DeAndre Hunter, let all scores 15 points, three rebounds. Jack Salt had an alley-oop. What else is there to say? Well, you beat me to it. I was going to bring up the Jack Salt <laughs> alley-oop, but you beat me to it. When I saw that, I thought of you immediately and said, this game is over and they are covering. <laughs> so true. Oh, man. Look, look, there's a lot of things to unpack here. Number one. You thought that Syracuse would be a little, bo- little bit more live at home. Obviously not. That 33% shooting number at home is like staggering. Yeah. And, but the more staggering part is, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, the amount of ground that UVA can cover with their base defense from the post out to the three-point line where they can run you off the three-point line and force you into a game force you into a under 20% shooting percentage from the three-point line when the game has totally turned on the three-point being a re- very reliant shot and a weapon for everybody it's outrageous i can't even get over how efficient this team is playing on the defensive end i know syracuse is limited offensively we we get that but at the same time Good golly, 44 points at home? I, I don't know why you wouldn't keep riding UVA the rest of the way. Nope, and battle's pretty good. And Virginia actually turned it over 11 times against his own, which is rare. They're on fire. You got to stick with them till they lose. And it doesn't like it's going to happen anytime soon. 
Next up, one of the other taking care of business teams, your Purdue Boilermakers, on the road well, against Rutgers. Rutgers played hard in this game, didn't play hard tonight. Okay. <laughs> 78-76. Spread was 15.5. This was, this was a close one. Purdue take care of business. Senior, your guy, Vince Edwards, missed to do everything. Huge game. Purdue only 7-22 from three-point range, but they found a road win. They are 23-2. Perfect Big Ten record, 12-0, setting up the big battle with Ohio State on Wednesday night. You love that they held Sir for that game, and then of course moving moving forward for the Michigan State game. So you you, you hope that they wouldn't have got tripped up. And you know, like we said, uh, Rutgers was going to maybe steal a couple of these games at home. This is another opportunity for them. They played one of the top three teams in the country, unbelievably tight. Again, like we kind of talk about on the podcast a lot. Like this is going to be one of those games where at the Rutgers end of the year dinner, we're going to say like, oh well, we played Purdue, who was a top three team, uh, down to the final possession. But I tell you what, Vince Edwards is unbelievably efficient. He does absolutely everything the box score you can ask him to do. Uh, Haas is, continues his efficient fantastic. play, even though fantastic. Yeah, even though he had big numbers to, in this game, Doesn't he matter. just continues to be efficient. And you know, Carson Edwards just keep keeps making differences in different ways, and he is like he he might be one of the most unique athletes that we have one of the most unique student athletes that's on the college basketball landscape because he can dunk on people. He can shoot step back threes. He can get in your face and he's completely undersized. So when you see him walk on the court as like, I don't know, borderline six foot player, you're not, you're thinking like, Oh, this, I can take this guy. No, you can't. So he's a, he's I, a winner. I, Guy's a winner. I, yeah. I love that. He keeps like, you know, changing people's minds. That's awesome. Obviously this Ohio state game loses a little luster with no cam Williams, but I, it's still a live game. You get, still got the two leaders in the conference. Speaking of live, uh, Jackson State was just down three with 10 seconds left. Southern turned it over on the inbounds. So Jackson State setting up for a three here to tie the game. Sorry, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in and out here. Moving on. Uh, Gus, Duke had some trouble. I don't know if you heard of them. At Madison Square Garden, 81-77, the Red Storm won. Uh, Shamori Ponds was absolutely out of control. Uh, you're, re- you're, you're being kind. Uh, it was, was insane. insane. It was insane. He looked like he he shot like Chris Mullen. Red Storm 0 and 11 in the Big East. They defeat the number four ranked Blue Devils. Go figure that. St. John's guys have lost 11 games in a row. Their last one was December 20th against St. Joe's. From now on, man, I'm taking the D away from Duke and I'm calling a mook because they simply don't play any defense <laughs> whatsoever. St. John's 47% from three point range. Duke shot great from three themselves. They were 45%. Gary Trent, who I love, you know that from the beginning of the year, five right. of seven, 18 turnovers for Duke against St. John's, led by Marvin Begley, had six. Grayson Allen, one of seven from the field. Duke's bench, Jumbo Shrimp, okay? <laughs> they don't have a bench. Four points, ball <laughs> from Marquise Bolden, who appeared, by the way. Glad he's back in there, the fold. There's been a sighting. There's been a sighting. Gus, what is wrong with Duke? <laughs> Look, it's nothing different than we've talked about on the podcast previously, Mike Randall. It is just their lack of defense on the perimeter. Look, we can break it down and say, like, they absolutely stink. I don't want to use, like, you know, I don't want to say they they absolutely stink in picking and rolls on the perimeter uh, with elusive guards like Shimori Pons. Like, that's been proven over and over again. Uh, They've gotten shredded by somebody that has a little wiggle and has that little change of speeds. Uh, with their dribble on the pick-and-roll situation. And Shamori Pons obviously exploited that to the, the nth degree here. And uh, when Jonathan and I were talking, it's funny. You know, we, this is one of the games we talked about. I was like, hey, who are you liking this? I, I was like, I think Shamori Pons is going to go off and keep it close. I didn't think he'd go off and win it. But here's the problem. One, this is what you mentioned on the podcast earlier this season. Their lack of depth. 
The lack of depth leads to adjustments that they have to make on the defensive end because they need to preserve their guys for the offensive end. Two, their lack of lateral mobility. It seems like, for whatever reason, Allen, who's a decent athlete, Allen, trouble laterally. Gary Trent, let's be kind. Like, he has trouble laterally defensively, right? Um, You would think Duvall wouldn't have this issue, and he's the one that tried to take Pons out of the game in the second half and, like, went up and and did some face guard and, like, tried to get it in his face for the second touch, a lot like people do with Trey Young. Yep. Um, And here – you know what? This is what I thought of. Okay, just stick with me here, listeners, okay? Uh, I I was at my, you know, daughter's basketball. Um, She's playing the Y League, and, and they put the circles down. On you know on the key. Okay, if you're playing the four position, you're going to go to this circle. If you're playing the three position, you're going to this circle. If you're running the point, you're going to go up top. I felt like Carter and Bagley were like like absolutely like they couldn't get off their circle that the Y coach put on the floor. I felt like they were just anchored there, and there was there was no lateral movement, there was no slide over, there, like the, the, there was no difference making that they could make once Shimori like broke down through the pick and roll, and they like there there was no adjustment on their end. They just like stuck to their spot. You think they should? Like you think they should have played Jack White more? I, I, something I don't know. I think Jack Salt's done. I'm going on Jack White now. So it, just just to sum up here. Um, they have issues on the defensive end. Should they go zone exclusively? Yes, if they're going to play only this many people, they should totally go zone exclusively. I think they should go a 1-2-2 two, two and put Duval at the top and let him be a terror with his speed and his length. And let him like be a disruptor up front at the front of that zone if they're going to go zone. Like, don't go 2-3. I know you, you coach with Bayheim at USA Basketball, and you're going to go 2-3 because uh, you have the 2-3 very good. Very the good. principles very there. Good. But, like, put Duval up top and let him wreak havoc and run around like a maniac, and then let Bagley and Carter, like, anchor and, and actually stick to their circles at the YMCA and maybe, defer, uh, you know, not, if not, you know, block shots, at least chain shots for people that drive. That's yeah. what they should do. Yeah, and, and you know, a good point. And, and listen, I think they need a real point guard. This team's a mess. This team's a mess, and I don't want to hear that yeah. they're fine. They have no point guard. Duval no, is not no, a point no. guard. No, no, no. Fine should not be used with them. No. He, he is not setting people up. A point guard creates shots for others. He does, but he doesn't, but he wants to score. But it, they have no bench whatsoever. Their guys are exhausted. They're messing with the zone, which means there's no box-out responsibilities. They play a big, tough team like South Carolina again. They're going to be in a lot of trouble. I think Duke is going the wrong way. I understand they'll be a top-two seed in the tournament. That's fine. You know what, folks? They're not making the final four. Unless I see something different, Gus, I don't think they're making it. No, their defensive their defensive inefficiencies speak to them not making a final four. I, I don't think they're unless something changes dramatically over the next three weeks, like that's not like that's not going away. So there's if you pick them to go to the final four, I think I think it's fool's gold. Michigan State, 63, won it at Indiana. 60, road game. They were up most of the game. Indiana played really tough. Balance scoring for Michigan State, Langford and Jaron Jackson at 10 each. Matt McQuaid at 12 off the bench. Oh, some people have a bench there, Gus. Four to five nice. from three-point range, right? Uh, only 11 turnovers for Tom Izzo's club. That's their Achilles heel. Jawan Morgan was great for Indiana, really bowling out there. 23 points. Michigan State now 22-3 and three and 10-2 and two in the Big Ten. Okay, so uh, let, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? Um, uh, so Tom, Coach Izzo, uh, Coach Izzo did not – answer any questions about the they can't they can't yeah they gotta and stop so, asking him he's not gonna he's not gonna answer right so it depends like what which way is this gonna go is he gonna like continue to continuing to defer or uh, is he gonna actually like 
say what he wants to say because you can feel like when he's answering, he has something that he wants to say, but he's been advised otherwise. Yeah, he, what he want, I'll tell you what he wants to say. What he wants to say is the culture, the way it was, for better or for worse, years ago was my, my guy told me he didn't do it. So I let the courts decide it. And if the court convicted him, he's gone. But they didn't convict him, and then I got rid of him the second time when he did something. That's what he wants to say, but he's going to come right. off as uh, that's not a. Pr- that's the answer. Right. That the answer is not that Tom Izzo was trying to teach him how to get out of doing this. I think Tom Izzo didn't realize how bad a guy this was. That's what I think. Yeah, and I think he he, he, he I think you said it perfectly. He believed his guy. He did his homework, and and then you know he you know they made a decision on things. But just to get back to the game a little bit, uh, you hope that. Michigan State can actually like use this as like some sort of galvanizing or unionizing like element and 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 pull in closer and invest in each other and say like okay look this is all the static that's outside let's keep what's in this locker room safe and sacred and 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 make this a goal that maybe we can project out as a positive about the university and about Spartan Nation and so on and so on. So you hope that that's happening. I don't know if it is. We'll continue to pay attention to it and find out. What The team that is now, as of the AP poll that came out today, Michigan State is now the four. The team that's now the five is Xavier. Yep. Xavier, and I watched this game because I may have had a bet on it. Xavier, 96, Georgetown 91 in overtime at home. They needed overtime, Gus, the Musketeers, to defeat the three and eight Georgetown Hoyas. Trayvon Blewett, amazing, fantastic, crazy. How how how, how sick is he? You put a tweet out, hundred percent, all American, thirty one points, four point play with like thirty seconds left. They were down four in regulation, but the Hoyas out rebounded Xavier forty three thirty nine. They got nineteen and fifteen from Marcus Derrickson. Chris Mack's team has won 15 of 17, and they're 9 and 2 in the Big East, a half game behind Villanova. They're waiting for that February 17th game, right? At home versus Nova. Yep. Gus, is this a good win? You know, survive in advance? Or are we starting to see some issues with Xavier here? No, here's what it is it's a character win. This has been their character all season. They have played exactly to the level of their opponent all season. You can point to the Middle Tennessee State they have, game. That's true. They have. You, you, yeah. you, can, you can point to a couple of other games. They have. Like, that's exactly what they've done all season. And how about this? How about kudos to Georgetown? How about kudos to Jesse Govan for going out and getting 20-plus against a, a ranked team? How about uh, Patrick Ewing having his guys playing with some passion? How about Georgetown and Villanova, like, being applauded for going out and playing unbelievably well exactly on the weekend when they needed to for our sport. Two legendary programs, St. John's and Georgetown, absolutely balling out yeah, funny. big Isn't time. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's funny how that like, yeah. Just on the weekend that you'd want to see them ball out where our our sport now has center stage. Yeah, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say go Hoyas. Kudos to you guys for playing a ranked team absolutely to overtime. And if that team doesn't have Trayvon Blue, you win that game. Yeah, like Georgetown wins that game. Which says a lot about Xavier here. If this game was at Georgetown, totally different feel for me. But at home, Xavier should pound Georgetown. And I don't want to keep giving credit to the to the team that I think should have gotten killed because by doing that, I just I'm I'm letting the team who's a favorite off the hook. But we'll right. find out about Xavier. They sure got will. at Butler, at Creighton, home Seton Hall, and home Nova. So you know what, Chris Mack? We'll find out whether, as Gus said, I like that phrase, character building win. 
or whether this was a sign of things to come. What do you want from that, Gus? Two and two? Three and one? What do you want out of that four from them? Uh, you're, you're, you're Xavier. Guess what you're looking? You're saying we're going to go three and one or four and oh. Yeah, I think two and two is disappointment. I agree with you. I, I, I mean, if, you, if you're at where that program is now. Let, let, okay, let's just do like a, a little Xavier like, you know, crystal ball, big picture Xavier. Ready? You're coming off an Elite Eight run. You lose to the championship game contestant in Gonzaga last year. You lose your NBA point guard and then go on a giant losing streak uh, where you play poorly and sneak into the tournament. It's true. And then get your act together and absolutely, like, you know, ball out true. in the tournament, right? It's like, good. absolutely okay. play like bananas. Keep going. I'm buying you, this. Guy. Keep going. You, yeah. you, you come into this season – as a ranked team, which doesn't always happen for Xavier, the last couple of years, yes, but it doesn't always happen. And now you've played unbelievably well in one of the toughest leagues in the nation. You've lost to one of the darlings of the season, Arizona State, and you just keep winning close games. So if you're Xavier right now, you are thinking like, we're going 4-0 or 3-1 and in this stretch. It's that or bust. Like that's the type of season we're going for. We're not settling for that three seed. We're we we are playing for a one seed here. Gosh, that was a tremendous defense by you. That was. I just watched the Lincoln Lawyer this weekend. As I was watching it with McConaughey, that was a well done job by you right there. You just sold me on it. Very good. Okay, I, I love being compared to McConaughey. All right, that's nice. Uh, Oklahoma State eighty four, number seven, Kansas seventy nine. Boy, this one brought a tear to my eye. Let me <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Quote unquote, whelp. Right up. And down, front to back, start to finish, Gus. This game was not close. Save me the stream of highlight. Cut it to three with about 30 seconds left. I'm not buying it. Oak State took it to them, took him to the woodshed, had him crush the whole game. Fourth home loss this season. That's right, folks. I said fourth. I'm including the one in Kansas City <laughs> against Washington. All the Kansas fans get mad. Okay, guys. You only lost three in five gallons. The first time in 20 years that happened. What's the difference? I've been paying attention to everybody like with the terminology they've been using as well. And everybody's just been lumping that one in too. So let, let's just do it. We're okay with the it. The fourth it's okay. one. Yes, it is. And I know yeah. it annoys you, Rock Chalk Nation. It is the fourth one. Jayhawks are 18-5, and 7-3, and three, tied with Texas Tech atop the Big 12. Oklahoma State partner killed him on the boards, 41-28. Kansas followed a 3-for-15 start from the field with three consecutive turnovers. Jayhawks were down 46-33. 46 points at home to Oak State at the Fog. Man, I wish they were in Kansas City. Kansas celebrated the 30th anniversary of Danny Manning and the Miracles, one of our favorite teams. Milt Newton, I'm sure, was there, one of my favorites. PR disaster for Jayhawk Nation. Rock, chalk, L. great ending there (laughs) so here's here's my first initial i'll just work backwards here if you don't mind uh you never know which way things are going to go when you have something big like this planned at halftime like when you have a a jersey retirement uh you celebrate you know danny manning and the miracles and that championship run with larry brown like whatever the big event that you have planned that's kind of like one of the things that you're basing your whole season around and you're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate the '88 team this game, and then you know this home game we're gonna do something a little less. We're gonna do something a little le- uh, more ancillary on this home game, and then you just build it back from there. You never know like how the team is gonna respond to that, whether you know whatever the big event is. So obviously it didn't go well here for the Jayhawks. Usually it's either gonna go one way or the other. They're gonna come amped up or totally flat. They came out totally flat. Um, 
And how about how about again? I, I don't mean to keep like going this angle on you, but how about we champion Coach Boykins here and and and, and Oak State? How about how about having huge his win. guys huge ready win. to play? A huge win, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that our sport on the weekend where they kind of get the spotlight and it's ours again now. That there was just upsets galore. I love it. I, 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 if that doesn't draw the casual fan in, what is not? What what is going to do it? So you know what you know what Oak State. Congratulations on a great road win and and making the Big Twelve like the most dangerous place to play in in college basketball. Like you can't. There's no easy games here. There's no cupcakes. Just when you think like, oh, we got Oak State coming in. Oh, this will be easy. Boom. You get blown out of the water in the first half, and then you got to fight back and maybe survive to even make it look. Like it was a close game, which it really wasn't. Oak State should be happy. They they made Bill Self, who announced today he's benching or taking Gerald Vick out of the starting lineup, and he's starting Mitch Lightfoot. So that in and of itself wait, wait. is – taking been, Vick out for yes, Lightfoot? Yes, he is. He, is, he said, I'm making a switch, talking about he wants his team to be prepared, doesn't like the effort they're giving. The Gerald Vick hitting the pine, Mitch Lightfoot up and under. I'm good because my mom says I'm good <laughs> in the starting lineup. Woo! Ah, oh, Billy. And one other point, Gus, I don't know if you remember this, back in 1988, one of the greatest lines from a losing coach in the NCAA tournament, Billy Tubbs at Oklahoma after they lost to Kansas, outside the locker room, I forget the reporter who said, Coach, how do you feel right now? And Billy Tubbs looks and goes, how do I feel? I swear if a guy was dying, you'd put a microphone in front of his face and say, how you feeling? Thanks a lot, Coach. Appreciate the... <laughs> Appreciate the interview. Billy Tubbs, look it up. It's tremendous. Uh, Gus, you know where I stand on this one, but let uh, me set it up for you. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, I had a little angle here, but please, take take the stage. You, you deserve this. I want to set it up, and then you tell me what you think. Number okay. eight, Cincinnati 65, Connecticut 57. On the surface, Cincinnati has won 14 games in a row. But partner, who have they beaten? Who are their quality wins? They won at UCLA at a conference, sure. But in sure. conference, at Temple, the Fran Dunphy water bottle game where he threw it, they shouldn't have won right. that game, but they did. They Remember blew, that one? They yeah. blew SMU out at home by 20. Impressive win. Absolutely. But SMU has been a little shaky up and down this year. Be Houston by 10 at home, held Rob Gray to nine points. It, that's impressive. Yeah, very impressive. But here's yeah. the rest of the schedule, partner. At SMU next Sunday, at Houston four days later, host Wichita State the following Sunday, then end the season at Wichita. Is Cincinnati simply king of the little people, or do you believe, you know what I believe, do you believe that they are a legit Final Four team, whole, greater than the sum of the parts, a la Dayton's Elite Eight run from 2013-2014? Superior comparison, superior. So – Here's what I'm going to say. Number one, you mentioned the schedule. Yeah, hello, Xavier's schedule. Like, those two schedules parallel each other perfectly. Great point. Like, you're going to find out about these top 10 ranked teams in a hurry. They are either going to take a a trepidous fall out of the top 10 because they go on a big losing streak because of their schedule, or they're going to take advantage of the schedule, and this is where they make some hay. Both of these teams. So, like, you love that, like, you know, whatever. Like, both of these Ohio teams, like, are, are, are just going to, like, absolutely smash it here with the schedule they have coming up. Or there's going to be some truth-telling here. So, I think they are not king of the little people. I think they have just been waiting to get into a heavyweight fight. I feel like this is, like, Mike Tyson's punch-out. 
and they are just like they they just been beating up glass. Playing jet, that right? with my son, it's been tremendous. We, we beat Sandman today. It was very exciting. Sandman's impossible. By yeah, the way. That, and that, then Macho Man. Win. Macho Man bounces his pecs. My son starts yelling. He's nipples, nipple. All right, all right. Let's move. <laughs> Sorry. Keep it PG. 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 Um. So I feel like they're ready for Sandman and whoever uh, and King Hippo is he coming up next? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, after okay. that, then it's Tyson and one punch okay. and he's All done. Right. So Daddy, why does he I, knock yeah, us down I feel with like one punch? They're lined up for that that type of title fight here. They're ready. Like I, I, I think Co- I think Coach Cronin is going to have them ready. I think he is going to get your Valentine's card this month. He's going to read that thing and he's like, "All right, I'm going to rub my hands together and you know what we're going to do? We're going to beat Wichita State. We're going to beat SMU at SMU." We're going to beat Houston at Houston. And maybe they split with Wichita. Maybe they don't win both of those games. Imagine if they win both of those games against wow, Wichita. That would be huge. Uh, imagine how like the narrative changes for both the Shockers and the Bearcats. Yeah, absolutely. I, I still am waiting. I mean, that Dayton team, I loved it. So did you. They oh. had Dyshawn Pierre as a sophomore. They had Scoochie, Kyle Davis, Kendall Pollard as freshman. Right. I, You know, Gary Clark, I mean, again, five points. Okay. Evans has got to be the guy we talked about that. Kane Broom was also in double figures. He's got to score for them. I'm hoping. I love him. I love Mick Cronin. I love the Bearcats. I think it can happen. But I think you can make a very valid argument, partner, that it's the other way. We'll find out about him. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to – if look, if I had to pick one way or the other, are they like Paper Tiger or Final Four? Here's, not, here's the way I would lean. I would lean Final Four. Great. Good. I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I like their closing group. Um, I got my eyes on this game, and I know, like, you know, Connecticut made a couple threes to make it close, but really it was never that close um, if you were watching the whole entire game. I like their closing unit. They had uh, Evans. They had Clark. They had Bruin. They had Washington. Um, and I believe that they had uh, a Cumberland out there with them as well. So that, that closing group can make baskets, break down people off the dribble, and score in isolation, and are also obviously very sound defensively. So I really like their closeout group. I think if uh, Coach Cronin keeps playing that, they're going to keep finding success. Uh, Kevin Ali still with a job. That's amazing in and of itself. Yeah. Next game, Arizona Wildcats have won 16-17. Their only loss was at Colorado. Remember that I can't reach them game by Sean Miller, but they've dominated outside of that. They went up to Washington part of they couldn't make threes, and that killed them. 2-12 of 12 from three-point range, 16%. Washington was 8 of 14, 57%. Dominic Green came off the bench for the Huskies and was 4 of 5 from three-point range. Noah Dickerson's been tremendous for them, 25 points. Rates of scoring each of the last four games. The Washington Huskies, 78. Number 9, Arizona, 75. Huskies now all alone in third place in the Pac-12, 17 and 5, 7 and 3 in conference. Gus, they say tournament after being 10th in the preseason poll? Yeah, I think we can start having that conversation now, can't you? Are, are we going to put them in today? If the season ends today, maybe not. Do they need to get a garner a couple of more uh, quality wins in the Pac-12? Oh, I think they're in partner right now. Seventeen I, and five. How, how about how about this? Do you want you want to put them in the playing game? Oh, I'd put them better than that. I, you I, would. I think the, I think they're. Gosh, how about a ten? An eleven? Okay. An eleven? I All mean, right, this. I'm, I'm good with an eleven. You yeah. know, seven and yeah. three in the Pac-12. I, I here's my take on Washington. Number one. They have athletes. Thibel is an unbelievable defender and does like really unique things as an athlete on the basketball court. Crisp, not the best shooter in the world. His effort is through the roof, and he's going to get in your drawers as a defensive player. Uh, he's going to be kind of as efficient as he can be. Um, and Dickerson, Dickerson's an NBA player. I don't care what you say. Like they, they have players on this team. Isn't it crazy that they remove the number one pick off their team? 
keep the exact same cast of characters and replace it with, um, I don't know, let's just pick green for, for, uh, for the part of this conversation, right? Replace them with uh, green coming off the bench. And, and now they're in the conversation for an NCAA tournament bid when they can only get nine wins last year. Hopkins doing a great job. Unbelievable job. Again, this is one, this is one of those situations where I, I feel similar to the Georgetown situation, similar to the Oklahoma State situation, very similar to this, uh, uh, St. John situation where we just applaud Washington and the effort that their student athletes are putting out and what coach Hopkins is putting together. Like really applaud it. Unbelievable job. Absolutely in the conversation for coach of the year should be in the top three to top five. No doubt. Number 10, Texas Tech 83 pounded TCU on the road. You're being kind. 83-71. They led 48-24 at halftime. Man, I had this game pegged. I just couldn't pull the trigger, man. My own fault. It was only three and a half. I just thought the most secure thing in this game, partner, was Texas Tech defense. I thought that was the automatic, and I don't think TCU is stopping anybody as per, you know, my Ken Palm uh, adjusted defense efficiency stats. <laughs> Look at you! So, yeah, nuts. The, the world's ending. Uh, TCU, no defense was a problem. They can't outscore people, uh, really good opponents without Jalen Fisher. Keen Evans only at 17, by the way. Awful game for him. Uh, that's the only thing you can stop him because his last four games, last three games rather, 26, 31, and 38, he's been on fire. Red yes. Raiders tie with Kansas. TCU, I don't know what you think, Gus. Here's my point. I'd put Washington ahead of TCU right now. I think Washington's going one way, TCU's going the other. But the Red Raiders really have things together. They're clicking. Big one on the road. Uh, look, I had this game totally pegged wrong. I'm just going to say, like, bad call out of me. I, I, was, I thought that TCU was going to get desperate and maybe Texas Tech was going to feel the bite of uh, the overtime game against Texas. So I, I, I totally misread this game 100%. And I, I'm, I am going to agree with you on the TCU-Washington comparison there. I think if you're going to go one way or the other, I think there's an argument to be made for Washington to get in over TCU due to their recent slide. And again, like Zaire Smith, super comfortable in the starting lineup. No problem. No problem. Yeah, yeah, he was their third leading scorer in this game. I, I, I believe that they finally have found an answer for losing Zach Smith. Um, super gifted freshman that's going to get big minutes and make big shots. Look, if you're going to win a game on the road where Keenan Evans doesn't go bananas, you're doing something right. 100%. Because one of yeah, one of the things we talk about is like your stud has to play like a stud, and then you got to get a little help. Um, did he get a little help from Smith and a little help from uh, Culver? Like absolutely. This game was not as close as the final score is gonna is gonna read. This no. game was a blowout the entire way, and TCU fought back to make it look kind of respectable. A number 11 Auburn at home rolled Vanderbilt 93-81. Vanderbilt closed it late, but Auburn still covered by a half gust. Uh, senior forward for the Commodores, Jeff Roberson. Jeff Roberson was super impressive in this game, even though Vanderbilt lost. He's got five games in a row with 20-plus points, including a, including a season-high 30 and 5-9 and nine from deep in this game. But Auburn rolled. They're looking every bit of the part of a team that is an absolute two-seed right now. And if things break right, they could steal that other one seed. They were on fire. They played great. 60 5.4% from three-point range, 17 Good. of 26. What does that even mean? The only <laughs> team that's approached that, Villanova and Purdue. Right. Multiple 20-point scores. Auburn's good. They're rolling. I'm going to tell you right now, they were messing around. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. They, I mean, they, they were they were playing so well in this game. Which I didn't appreciate, but yes, they were. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> If gambling was legal and you had some money on this game. They, but they were messing around in this game. They were throwing around the back passes on a delayed break for an open three and, and canning it. Like, Auburn's good. And you know what? They're playing with, like, this freedom and this joy right now, which not many teams are playing with in the dog days 
that we like to say in our sport of February, where it's just kind of like turns into more of a grind. I'll tell you what, this Auburn Tigers team, there is a definite joy to the way that they're taking the court and the way that they're approaching things. So impressed, and I, you know, you know, my usual guys that I love. I love that Harper was doing his thing. Love that you know Murray put up his usual like stout, like efficient game. Uh, Heron, uh, you know, Heron is doing his thing, and again, Brown keeps shooting the ball unbelievably well. That guy is one of the most underrated really shooters. Underrated. Yes, the guy right. just just gets numbers, and every time you shoot it, it's like one of those guys where you're like, yeah, that looks, that looks like it's going in. Yep, that looks like it's going in. Um, but yeah, and uh, you, you know, Koki off the bench is, is playing really well uh, as like a stretch four. They have a lot of cool elements that's happening. Did did you did you see uh, the report for the Auburn Tigers? Purefoy is applying for re- yes. uh, reinstatement. Yeah, reinstatement. Yeah. It, imagine if they can incorporate him off the bench as like a, a sixth or seventh man, as like a difference maker that plays against other team second units. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. That that that. I mean, you you talking two seed? You bring that guy off the bench. That guy is a high major player. Like he would make an unbelievable difference. So you want to see where that story goes there. But the, you know the squad that they have out there right now. Again, we talked about Hopkins being you know in discussion for coach of the year. If Bruce Pearl isn't in your top three either, then you're doing something wrong because he's done an unbelievable job with the squad. And you love that the way that they're playing uh, with the happiness and the joy and the freedom that they're operating on the court. And they denied Wiley's appeal today. So. Austin Wiley right. ineligible for the season after his appeal fails. Um, Purifoy for a chance there, but Austin Wiley's appeal went down, so I don't know what's going to happen with Purifoy. But either way, Bruce, Bruce Pearl's done an unbelievable job. Oklahoma, twelve number 12, Oklahoma 74, Texas 79. Not only did the Sooners lose at Texas, Gus, they just lost to West Virginia tonight as well by two points. There's a rumor floating around that Trey Young may have been sick, had the flu this game. He's still at 32 points. But this was a big win for Texas. I give Jonathan Warner, who we had on the podcast, great job by Jonathan as well. Credit, yeah. he called this one. Big win for Shaka. He's delivering in the year that he had to here, year three of Shaka Smith. Great game. Coleman with 22, Roach with 19. Also like the fact that the Sooners, Gus, had Jones on the back of their warm-up shirts as they came out for the game, which is really cool. Nice yeah, job. that's that's good. That's good karma right good there. Good karma. That is. And yeah. they deserve it. Big win for Texas. Osakowski played really well. I love him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know he didn't shoot efficiently this game, but he put up some decent numbers. He shot well from the line. Uh, Bamba was, like, kind of quiet. Like, didn't do anything totally outrageous. I thought if they were going to win this game, I thought he might have to have a big game. But I'll tell you what, Coleman and Roche played really well, and Eric Davis played well off the bench. Again, they have athletes on the perimeter. It's not like, you know, once they lost Andrew Jones, they were just kind of, like, left out to dry. They have players. And uh, I, I, I love that Texas has used this as, like, I don't know. That's It's, it's really galvanized this team, yeah. this program, and this school. And they've been like, okay, so we're down, like, one of our best players. All right, let's just go out and ball. Let's go do it. Yeah. And it seems like the approach is really paying dividends right now. Good report out on Twitter, too, about Jones. So prayers and thoughts still with him. But it looks like there was a good – I forget who it was – put a good tweet out that things are headed in the right direction. We'll just do some one-liners here, partner, for the rest of the games. Yeah. Uh, St. Mary 65, San Diego 62, Gonzaga 68, BYU 60. Let's hold off on those. We'll do those when we talk about uh, a little hot take tweet in a minute. But we got those two games. West Virginia 89, blew out Kansas State 51. They appeared to have righted the ship after the win tonight. Thoughts on West Virginia? I, I, I'm still in the same boat I was last week at West Virginia. Like, they always run into this little swoon. 
uh, at this part of the season yep. just because of the effort that they put out. Yep. So sometimes they just need to go home, recharge, get it right. And I feel like maybe now after this nice you know, double-dip win where they beat Kansas State and now they get the big win against Oklahoma – Maybe all, all is forgotten now for West Virginia. We can just talk about them being like one of the best teams in college basketball again. Well said. Tennessee blew out Ole Miss. Not much there. North Carolina, after three consecutive losses, takes the uh, P- Pittsburgh Panthers to the woodshed, 96-65. Of course, they're gearing up for Thursday night, Gus, when they host Duke. I like that they didn't get caught in the look-ahead game here because yep. you totally could have. And I like that they just went in, took care of business, and you hope that they're right. And you just want this—you want this game to live up to the hype that it lives up to every year. And you just want it to be a classic game where it's really well contested. The best players actually play the best on the biggest stage. That's what you're looking for. So UNC and Duke, the stage is set. Please take care of us later this week. We're all going to be watching. Brad Bromell and Clemson still doing a great job with no Grantham. They've recovered nicely, won three games in a row, second road game out of the last three. They won at Wake 75-67. That's following a win against North Carolina, 82-76. So it seems like Clemson has righted the ship, and they're hanging in there, partner. They are 19-4 and and 8-3 in the ECC. Really surprising. You here, Here's my quick take on this. Um, and, you know, we can go back to the uh, uh, um, Zaire Smith situation uh, where he stepped in for Zach Smith for Texas uh, for Texas Tech. We can talk about Creighton with their injury. I always feel like that initial game where the team loses, like one of their impactful Very players. Very true. Very smart. Yes. It, yeah. it, it, it's always like a fishy situation, right? You don't know if the team is just going to be totally amped up. Or you don't know if the team is going to be totally demoralized and depressed. So you don't know which way to go with it there. Usually what happens, strangely enough, is that initial game, everybody gets up for. The coaches coach them up. They have a great game plan. Everybody wants to do their job to carry on and like you know fill in for the guy that's hurt. But then maybe the next couple of games, they run into like reality and they're like, oh, wait. This guy isn't here to do what he does every single game. This is an issue. I can't. I can't do this every game. Um, so I think that that that's a similar situation here. Um, so I, I don't know if I, I don't know. Like I I don't know if that's like a you know we go we can go back and research that. But I think that's something to pay attention to when a team does lose a player like that. Uh, to pay attention to like what happens the initial game after that, and then what happens to the two or three games following that initial game. Very smart partner. Kentucky, the 21, number 21 Kentucky at the time in the country, goes to Missouri, mm. loses by nine, was yeah. not competitive. And here's my issue. This sums up my feeling in Kentucky in a nutshell, man. Kevin okay. Knox, five points. All right? So you Bingo. can light it up in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And Missouri's a good defensive team. Don't get me wrong. But you're, you're going to score five points in Missouri, and you want to be my sweet 16 team? I'm sorry. Richards three, Washington four, Hamadou Diallo. Do we need to go off on him again? <laughs> no, we don't. Gilgis Alexander fifteen. That's great. Okay, Vanderbilt ten rebounds, sixteen minutes. I, again, I don't know why he's not playing more. I mean, he gets in foul trouble. I get it, but I think he's the key. But they lose to Missouri. Nice win for Missouri. Bad loss for Kentucky. I think we can throw Missouri into the same conversation as Washington. Excellent. That's a good one. Yes. Right where good. you know, let's celebrate them overcoming adversity by losing potentially the number one draft pick in the upcoming NBA draft from their roster and then piecing it back together and being really competitive the rest of the season and just not folding up the tent and saying, okay, we're going to dust our hands. We're done with the season. Like, you know, Conzo Martin, Coach Martin has a, has done a great job with this crew. And you know what? Porter's, Porter's brother has actually played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yes, he yeah. has. 
one of the ones that I was waiting for because I, I like this team. I'm an Alabama fan. I, I, you 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 are, aren't I you? I heart. don't know why. I don't know. I why. know. I can I can feel it. Yeah, maybe it's because Michigan uh, needed overtime to beat Minnesota at home, but you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Alabama goes on the road to Florida. This was a stay away game from you know seven and a half point spread. Wasn't sure oh. about it. Yeah. This is the game I was waiting for, man. I think this is a dangerous team. They have guards. I believe in Avery Johnson. He got – did he get the Mavericks to the NBA Finals? Didn't they get to the NBA Finals with, with him once and lose? Uh, I believe they did. Was he the one of the Heat they lost? The, the, uh, I'm pretty sure they got there with Avery Johnson. I don't think – I don't think no, because Carlisle won the championship. Right, but they got there with Nowitzki and then they gagged it against the Heat. Yeah, I think that was Avery. I, 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 I He's done a good job in the NBA. I think he was coach of the year once there as well. I believe in him. Huge win for Alabama. Sexton is fully recovered. I think this is a matchup game for Florida. They just did not match up well here. Sexton had 17. Hall had 14 inside. Petty's at zero points. John Petty is zero points, and they win the same going away. Why? Because Braxton Key had 13. Avery Johnson had 10. Only 20% from three-point range for Florida. You live by the three. You die by the three. They got beat inside. 43 rebounds for Alabama, 25 for Florida. Alabama going the right way. Florida, I'm still hanging on, but I'm starting to doubt myself here, partner. Can we just take a quick look at Alabama's starting five now that they're all in place? They have Key, Ingram, Sexton, Petty, and Hall. That starting five is a top 20 starting five in the nation. Yeah, and they, actually, and they actually started Giddens in this game. They started Giddens? Yeah. All right, so that 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 starting five is a top 20 starting five in the nation. Alabama is legitimately good. I get why you kind of like them. I understand your, your, your like, secret crush on them. I, I get it. You know, they're going to be seated like a 9 or a 10, maybe in that 8-9 game. If they win that 8-9 game, no number one team is going to want to play them. Imagine a, a, an opposing coach on a number one seeded team saying, okay, all right. Alabama's a nine seed. Okay, they win their eight nine game. We got to prepare for a lottery pick. Yep. But are you kidding me? We 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 have to turn around in one day or two days and and try to figure out how to stop this guy. And though oh oh yeah, and there there's his buddy pulling from twenty five feet, Petty. And then they got athletes and and, and Key and Ingram and, and Hall is a serviceable big big man. No, thank you. Only other one partner I want to get to from the weekend is the Sunday game. Watched the whole thing. Talked about it in my pod. A terrible loss for Seton Hall because yeah. Villanova was primed. They were primed mm. to lose. Seton mm. Hall got off to a fantastic start. Super Bowl, 12 p.m. start, no Phil Booth, the whole thing. Terrible second half for Seton Hall. They went away from Angel Delgado, who is by far their best player in their alpha dog. Terrible shot selection, not playing defense, foul trouble, no adjustments. Willard in the huddle, grab the ball, push the ball, rebound the ball. Oh my God. It's a bad loss partner because Villanova was ripe for this and they did, and they got blown out. 92 76, they pulled away. Just really frustrating because I feel like Seton Hall's underachieving and Villanova is just good. So, yeah, th- those are the two takeaways from this. Number one, Villanova is rightly the number one team in the nation, even without with losing one of their starters. They are rightly the number one team in the nation. Here's my second takeaway from this. I'm not so sour on Seton Hall. I am. They played neck and neck for 82% of the game here against the number one team in the country on the road. I am not as down on Seton Hall as you are. Uh, I'm not trying to play contrarian here and, and, and just go like, you know, the ebb to your flow. I, I, I'm not that I, – I really feel like that Seton Hall is close. If 
let let's fast forward to that February twenty fifth game, and uh, uh, you know later on in February, uh, and, and see what happens there when when uh, they play in the Rock in Newark. Let's see what happens there. I, I, I'm intrigued. I think the the grind of the Big East might be getting to to Villanova then, but I totally agree with you. They had an advantage on the inside with Delgado, and, and you know we mentioned on the podcast multiple times and you know, via Twitter. Delgado is a much improved offensive player on the block. Why would you not give it to him and operate your offense through him on the block or at least at the high post? He's an improved passer out of there. He can make a spin dribble. He, 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 you know, he can go over either shoulder. Get him the ball. more. Give him more opportunities. You don't always need to go dribble drive off the wing with Desi or Carrington or Pat. Like You don't. You don't. You can get it into the big man and play off of him in there, and maybe one of those guys gets in foul trouble, and boom, Villanova's lack of depth comes up to haunt them, and then you win the game. That's the recipe to follow when you visit these when they come to visit you later on in February, Coach Willard. Please listen in. Please follow that recipe. Yeah, I, I don't listen. I get it. I just don't see it. And they could I, they could dial it up at Villanova, absolutely. Yeah. But my point the last night was. They come into this season, they wanted a regular season Big East title, a right. Big East tournament title, or Sweet Maybe. 16. That's mm-hmm. what they wanted. I don't think they get either one of those three. Could they dial up against Villanova? Sure. Would I love to see it? Of course I'd love to see it. I just have right. no faith. And I, I I don't, you know, the Desi thing, he doesn't like Will. Or they, don't, you, they had a chance, Gus, against Creighton. That was my point. Yeah. Uh, uh, Crampell goes down right in the beginning of the game. He's out for the whole game. He right. sits Desi for 30 Four minutes. What could he have done? Did he go in the stands like Ron Artest? What could he have done that you don't put him in for 34 minutes? And then this cryptic speak of, well, I could just tell he wasn't ready, but he'll bounce back. What are you talking about? This is your senior laden team. This is your chance. This is your chance at a final four. People are talking about you sit him at Creighton for 34 minutes and nobody knows why. And the other thing too is they bench, you know, he, he, um, suspended Sonogo. And then the seniors come and talk him out of it. That's not how it works, Gus. If you were going to listen to them, call them in first and say, guys, right. this is what I got. Don't change your mind because it looks weak to the players. I get exactly. it. I'm rooting for them. Yeah. I'm just off the bus. I hope I'm looking at you after the season going, I was wrong. I really do. I just – I don't right. say it. Uh, you know what? That's a bad look too. We didn't mention that uh, leading into this game, but that's a bad look. You can't announce it and then talk to your guys that you trust and you're invested in and then change it. You talk to them first. And then you make a joint decision on it. I totally agree with you there. What, what else we got? All right. I got two tweets for you quick. A little hot takes from some uh, followers. And then we'll get to the game preview and go and we'll uh, wrap it up. Okay. Uh, at Bracket March. Politics and, ho- and hoops on Twitter. At Bracket March. He put this one out. I asked him if we could use it. He said no problem. He Great. wrote on February 3rd, so Saturday at 8 o'clock at night, are Nevada fans seriously bitching about Rhode Island being projected as a higher seed? Thank your lucky stars, Rhodey is projected that high because without them, your resume has zero legs to stand on. Gus, I'll play devil's advocate here with Mr. At Bracket March, and then please feel free to respond as the Nevada expert of the bunch here. Sure. They've beaten Rhode Island. They beat Davidson. They lost at Texas Tech in overtime. They Mm -hmm. lost to TCU, Mm 84-80. They lost to San Francisco, 66-64. They lost at Wyoming, 104-103. Where are the good wins, partner? I don't know. At Bracket March, have anything to say? Is this so, legit? Yeah. The, I, 
I feel like the URI win is balancing out the San Francisco loss currently. No, so e- then you could no EC Matthews. He got hurt in that game down the stretch. No, totally true. <laughs> totally true. I mean, I guess you could look at it that way too. Yeah. So I look at that like I look at it that way as like they're balancing each other out, and then you look at them as like okay, so you remove one win, you remove one loss, and then they're a three loss team, and then yeah, then we're talking about something, but. Yeah, easy. I don't. I don't think anybody needs to be arguing that. I'm totally with you on that. Look, both of them are going to get in as larges, which is awesome for the small schools and the mid majors out there. Love both of those teams. Both of those teams can do some damage in March, no doubt. They have difference maker players on the wing. Uh, love their coaching uh, pedigree that they have. So I don't know if there needs to be an argument between mid majors. If anything, they should be uniting and saying thank you for scheduling a home at home, so like we can help each other. At- each out again, uh, again next year, like that. That should be the mood. That, 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 how about we run the? How about we run the back to back again the next two years so we can continue to help each other out? I, I thank for at bracket March for the tweet. I agree with my partner though. Nevada passes the eye test with me. I think they're oh, good. I think they're no dangerous. Question. So I, I get what he's saying. You can look at it that way. But yeah, I, I'm a Nevada guy, but I we appreciate that tweet. Keep him coming. And one more Gus. Okay. At Karen's James, Kerry Miller writes for Bleach Report College Basketball. Carrie Miller is great. Yeah, Carrie Miller, public service yeah. announcement, Gus. If you don't have Jock Landell as a first-team All-American right now, your opinion on college basketball should not matter one bit. Carrie! Yes. <laughs> that is a bold statement. Love where Carrie's head is at. Uh, if you don't follow Carrie Miller, you should follow it. It's fantastic. Uh, look, we, we talked about this early on the podcast on the lead-in. Multiple people, including Kerry, have have Jacques Landell on their first team All America, and guess what? He blows up at Gonzaga. Everybody's going to be singing that song. Every single college basketball head is going to be saying, "Hey, look! I told you Jacques Landell should be first team All American. He's just dominating the you know the the, the 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 WCC. Oh my goodness! I can't even believe the numbers he's putting up. Yeah, he's been doing it all season. We you you've talked about it, it like begrudgingly." Uh, I, 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 like I've talked about, it, like and and look, look where he's at. He's he's putting up monster numbers. So Kerry, we're on board with you, man. All right, really quick, partner. I love getting your reaction to the games tomorrow. We got some lines up here for the um, for the Tuesday games. Let's run through it really quick. Tell me what yeah, you think. L- yeah, uh, quick run through. Let's go. Gut instinct. Now I'm not going to hold you to this. Uh, follow Gus at C Currents Twelve. Follow the podcast at SDS Podcast. Gus puts out the fishy lines for you at SDS line. So he's our resident expert on these lines. I do it for fun. Gus does it because he's great at it. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Butler minus three hosting Xavier. Mm. Good instinct. I won't hold you. You can change your mind. No, no, no. no. Uh, Xavier. Okay. Northwestern plus one hosting Michigan. I mean, this seems like too easy, right? I mean, what are we even talking about here? I I, I can see Michigan hitting 15 threes and this being a 20-point game. It no? Could be, it could be. I'm with you. I kind of like that line. I'm with you. I, I mean, you know I'm with you. I'm going down the ship, man. For some reason, I, I'm bleeding, you know, maize and blue. <laughs> Kentucky minus one and a half against Tennessee. Oh, man. Look, we, you know, we just had Jonathan on. Jonathan actually picked Tennessee to go to his final four. Um, so. Does that mean that they're going to beat Kentucky? No, I, I don't think so. Here's what I think. I think Kentucky, all they do is have power forwards. And so that play, like, 
I don't know, is Grant Williams going to foul like Knox, Washington, Vanderbilt, and uh, I'm trying who and, and Nick Richards out? Is he going to foul all of those guys out? So like the one best player that Tennessee has an advantage, Kentucky has four of the of the same player. So give me Kentucky. I got to put Jared Vanderbilt in my short corner this week. He's got to be averaging over a rebound a minute since he's come started. I, I, yeah, since I'd be, start, interested, I, I'd be interested to see that rebounding rate. Yeah, I'm it's, with you on that. Next up, Alabama getting three at Mississippi State? Uh, I'm an Alabama guy. I know. I'm an Alabama guy. Uh, Right. Mississippi State actually plays great defense. You know, Hallen has things rolling there. They, You know, that matchup with Cincinnati earlier on in the season was kind of like one of those rock fight games where, you know, first to 60 wins. So I get the the situation here. Uh, The Weatherspoons are great. Um, Give me Alabama here. The Mitch Lightfoot starting lineup, Kansas Jayhawks, (laughs) minus seven and a half against TCU. No chance. You know what this is? This is this is TCU, uh, West Virginia all over again. You think so? I do. Yeah, I think this is another signature win for TCU, and they kind of like hang around in the picture and like wow. make make oh. you say like, "Oh, remember us? Oh yeah, we're still hanging around. We're still here." Well, I'll tell you right now, that's only their fourth home loss this year. If that happens, not their fifth. Okay, just remember that. <laughs> Bo- <laughs> Boise State minus one and a half in New Mexico. Ah, uh, fishy. New Mexico has actually played pretty well as of late uh, in the Mountain West and has exceeded expectations with Coach Weir. So I'm totally down with why this line is where it's at. And this total, I mean, you, I mean, we talk about this all the time. This is a total look ahead game for Boise, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they're looking at that Nevada game like, oh my goodness, we got to get them back. Like, we're, we're, like, so I, you know what, though? They're going to take care of business. Like, Let, get, get, give me Boise. I, I'm good with those points. I'm going to say Boise by double digits. Last one for my college buddies. My alma mater, always a big rivalry. Catholic schools, Gus. Notre Dame minus seven against Boston College at home. What do you think? Notre Dame at home? I'll take the points. No, BC, rivalry game. No, Bonzi? Is Farrell playing? Seven? No. I, I, I'm with you. Give me, give me <laughs> BC and the guards. Give me like, you know, Bowman maybe goes yeah, off, okay? Yeah. Uh, Matt Farrell maybe compromised health-wise. Maybe he's yeah. like 90%, not 90, like not 100%. Right. Uh, and get, give me BC with another win to kind of keep him in the like, you know, quasi-at-large conversation. All right, I think we're wrapping up. And Gus, I'm excited. Tomorrow we're gonna to be taking a little trip, aren't we? Got a little. Oh, uh, we're gonna watch some we're, NBA basketball tomorrow night. Is that correct? Yeah, li- listeners, we'll tweet out a couple of pictures from where Mike and I yes, are headed uh, yes. tomorrow uh, for the listeners out there for sure. Um, uh, it's we're really excited. Like Mike and I don't get to view a bunch of college basketball games together. Uh, and this won't be a college basketball game either. We're going to go see some 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 pro basketball. I'm if, totally excited. Uh, if you, yeah. if you get, guess it, and we'll give you a shout out. Can you get, if you're a loyal listener and you look at the NBA schedule, you know exactly what game we're watching tomorrow. Tweet us at SDS in, in person. In, in person. person with good seats, by the way. At SDS <laughs> podcast. If you follow the podcast, you know without a doubt what game we're going to see. We'll be there together. We'll send some of the picture tweets out for you tomorrow night. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, for sure. And uh, guys, if you like what you're listening to, please do exactly what uh, do exactly what MCK one o one o one o one did on iTunes. Check out what MCK did. Left us a beautiful iTunes review. Lovely. Five stars. These guys are great. He says, "Quote," or she says, "Quote." You know, the major media outlets talk about nonstop about Duke and Kentucky, but they don't 
give you enough broad coverage on the whole college basketball landscape. Mike and Gus cover the big boys, the little guys, and everything in between. Swack basketball. Swack basketball right here. Jackson State. Here we come. (laughs) Highly recommend the podcast for everybody. So thank you so much, uh, MCK. Ahoy out there. Thank you for leaving the nice, kind words. We're always thankful. And you know what? We This weekend, I feel like we just got a whole bunch of love on Twitter from a bunch of people just saying like, hey, thanks for giving us a shout out on the pod. Thanks for talking about our team on the pod. You know, Mike and I will go big time during the week and then I'll break everybody down uh, for the mid-majors on the weekends. And then, you know, we'll go some, some you know, ancillary topics, you know, like Mike and I like to do uh, when we have our solo podcasts. So thank you listeners out there. If you're looking for some SDS uh, screen the screener in print, please hit up Mike's site randallrant.com we have uh, Mike's short corner he does an incredible job of what's floating around his college basketball mind and he puts it out there for you guys to consume so please do that uh, and uh, please don't forget to give Mike a follow he's an absolute riot entertaining and in, uh, in, informative at Randall Rant so uh, and uh, give the podcast a follow at uh, SES Podcast Efficiency of Keystrokes of course so thank you thank you thank you listeners we are always humbled by who's tuning in. Uh, you know, we're, we're excited that our numbers are growing as the season's uh, expanding. So, so thank you, listeners out there, for finding us on the dial. Really appreciate it. I, you know, I don't see this Valentine from Kevin Willard. You, you have it over there. Kevin, I don't know if you have the right address. Yeah, I, it, maybe it's not here. Hey, Gus, maybe he sent it to you. <laughs> it's, in, it's it's in state. It should get here quick. <laughs> Cheers. Salancha, grazie, grazie. Arigato, everybody out there. Thank you. Oh, here's one I sent to Jock Landell. I'm addicted to the appetite. It's a seed of